Okay, so I invite you where you are just to bow your heads with me for a word of prayer, if you will. So let's close our eyes and pray. Father in heaven, we come again before your presence already in our, I think it's nine, uh, night nine, and uh, we are grateful for the things we are learning your word, but Lord, uh, tonight we need your presence again, and we pray for the Holy Spirit we pray for wisdom and guidance as we delve into this amazing topic, the 1,000 years as well as hellfire. Father, give me the Holy Spirit and the gift of teaching so I can instruct those who are seeking truth and desire to obey your word. For we pray in Jesus' name, let everyone say amen. amen. So let's... Uh, go straight to our topic tonight. I want to tell you the story of a lady called Rose, and the Rose lived back in the 1920s, long time ago already, and she was only 21 years old, and Rose liked to enjoy life and go to all the parties that were out there, and she was just enjoying life until one day she became sick. She became, uh, she wasn't able to move her body anymore, and she fell into this sleep mode, which is called sleep sickness. Have you ever heard about sleep sickness? It's um, uh, more commonly known, or scientifically known, I should say, as encephalitis lethargica. Uh, lethargica, excuse me. Okay, so that was a disease that she developed, and basically she stayed in this sleep mode for the next 48 years of her life. She was in, the, in her bed and uh, sometimes taken to her home. Eventually she went to an institute that could take care of her, but she stayed without moving, without waking up for 48 years, but she wasn't dead. And one day, lo and behold, she woke up. She what, everyone? She woke up. She was already like 69 years old and full of energy and wanted to live her life. But of course, uh, she was already advanced in age and she lived uh, a few more years. I don't know how long and eventually she died. Okay, but the Bible talks about a final awakening, a final what, everyone? awakening that we if we partake of that awakening we will never never go to sleep anymore meaning we will not die amen for that so we talked about that uh, a little bit the last time we were together the resurrection the promise of resurrection i want to take you to the book of john what book are we going everyone john john chapter 5 and, and by the way, this is the same author as the book of Revelation. We are talking about John the Revelator here, but we are going to his gospel. In uh, John chapter 5, and we are reading verse 28 first and then verse 29. Notice what the Bible says here, and I want to show you that there will be two kinds of awakening, so to speak. How many kinds of awakening did I say? Two. Two kinds of resurrections. I'm just speaking more plainly here. Notice carefully what Jesus said. Jesus says in verse 28, Do not marvel at these, for the hour is coming in which, how many people? All, no exception, who are in the graves will hear his voice and do what, everyone? Come forth, meaning they will resurrect. And then he goes on to say, those who have done good to the resurrection, what kind of resurrection, everyone? 
of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Some translation says damnation. So how many kinds of resurrection do we have here? Two kinds of resurrection. The first one is the resurrection of life. The second one, the resurrection of condemnation. Are we clear, everyone? So notice here, how many resurrections does this Bible passage describe? Very clear. The resurrection of life, the resurrection of damnation. And the question now is, when do they take place? And I'm going to show you from the Bible tonight that they don't take place at the same time. Okay, they are... Um, they happen in different times, and we are going to delve into the Bible to know them now. Let me start with the first one in First Thessalonians. We are going to the book of First Thessalonians. Okay, so I'm just here giving you a little bit of the background before we jump into the book of Revelation. But we are going to First Thessalonians chapter 4, okay? And we are going to read the verse 16. And there we find the first resurrection. What kind of resurrection do we find there, everyone? The first. Notice what it says in verse 16. The Bible says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. What event is that when the Lord Jesus will descend from heaven, everyone? The second coming of Jesus at the last day of this world's history. Okay, so Jesus will come back. He will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. And then it says, and with the trumpet of God and the dead. What kind of dead people? In Christ, those that have accepted Jesus shall rise, whatever you want. First, and notice verse 17 what the Bible says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them that were resurrected in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So is that clear, everyone, that the first resurrection takes place when Jesus comes? Yes or no? Yes. So when Jesus comes in the clouds of heaven... The first resurrection, those that will be resurrected for life and life eternal, to be with Jesus and for Him eternally, is the resurrection of life. The resurrection of those that have given their lives to Jesus. What happens with those who did not accept God's grace? Those that have sinned and have rebelled against the principles of God and they did not accept His grace. What happens with them at the occasion of Jesus' second coming? Because we have Jesus coming in the clouds of heaven. Everyone that accepted him, if they are dead, they are resurrected. If they are alive, they are cut up together to meet the Lord in the air with those that were resurrected. How about those that did not accept Christ? Let's see what the Bible says. Second Thessalonians. Where are we going now? Second Thessalonians. Just one book over in your Bible. One page over probably. And we are going to chapter 1. What chapter are we? 1, verse 7 through 9. Notice carefully what the Bible says. We want to find out from this passage what happens with the wicked when Jesus comes in the clouds of heaven. The Bible says here, beginning verse uh, 7, notice carefully, let me read in my Bible here, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. The Bible says, And to give you who are troubled rest with us. And notice carefully. When the Lord Jesus is what, everyone? revealed from heaven what event is that that the lord jesus will be revealed from heaven the second coming of jesus the same event and he will come with who according to this verse with his mighty angels and then the bible says if you're following here what i'm reading notice in verse 9 we are reading verse 9 now notice carefully verse 9 the bible says these shall be what is the next word everyone 
punished. But let's read verse 8. I should read verse 8. It says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on who? Those who do not know God, that's number one, you know, and they don't know God because they chose not to know God because the gospel will be preached to all nations according to Matthew 24, verse 14. But they chose to remain ignorant. I'm glad that you haven't chosen to be ignorant and you are here to study the word of God. Amen for that. Notice what it says here. And who else, um, you know, Jesus will bring vengeance. It says here, and on those who do not do what everyone Obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says in verse 9, These shall be, what everyone? Punish with everlasting, what everyone? Destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Is that clear, friends, that when Jesus comes, two things happen. The dead in Christ is, what everyone? Resurrected. But those that do not obey the gospel, what happens with them? What happened with them? Huh? Come on, friends, with those that disobey the gospel that are alive when Jesus comes. I'm not talking about those who are dead that disobeyed the gospel. If they are dead, they remain dead because only the dead in Christ are raised. How about those that are alive that did not obey the gospel? What happens with them? It says here that they are destroyed. They are destroyed. Notice Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, and as you are going there to Revelation chapter 6, friends, um, you know, talking to people, different kinds of people, they don't like these passages in the Bible. They say, you know, that's not the kind of Jesus that I have always heard. Friends, of course not. Jesus is in the business of saving people. Can you say amen for that? Jesus wants to save everyone, and he desired that all should come to repentance. How many should come to repentance? These are all Bible verses. God the Father said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. For whosoever believe in him should not, what if you want, perish but have everlasting life. That is God's heart. He wants to save us. He wants to do everything to have us in the kingdom. However, he will not force the will. He will not force what everyone? The will. He's a gentleman and he knocks at our hearts and he expects us to open our hearts so, we come in, so he come in. Is that clear, everyone? And we cannot deny Bible verses such as this. We can't, friends. They are there in the Bible. Not because God is not a God of love, but because God... And love requires accountability. Love requires what, everyone? Accountability. And remember that love without choice doesn't exist. Did you hear what I said? Love without choice doesn't what, everyone? Exist. It wouldn't be love if he says, I know you despise me your whole life. You didn't want anything to do with me. But now I'm going to take you to heaven no matter what. Even though you don't like the principles of righteousness and you always live your life in opposition to the principle of life, I'm taking you. Is that how God operates? No. And that goes back to our study about Lucifer, how God gave him free choice. It goes back to the creation of man, how God gave Adam and Eve what, everyone? Free choice. So they could make their choices whether they want God or they don't want God. But if people choose not to want God... The result will be, okay, the wages of sin is what, everyone? Is death. But 
The free gift of God is everlasting life through Jesus Christ. And we must choose, friends. We must choose. Choose ye this day whom you, you will serve. Notice Revelation 6. Let's begin in verse 15. We are beginning verse 15 here in Revelation 6. Another of those verses that calls to accountability. It says, this is when Jesus comes, by the way, if you read the previous verses. And then it says, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, what did they do, everyone? Hid themselves in caves and in the rocks of the mountains when Jesus was coming. And then... Notice what they said in the next verse, verse 16, and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and do what, everyone? Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Notice, friends, they are calling for the rocks to fall on them. They are calling for death. They can't stand in the presence of a holy God. In order to stand in the presence of a holy God, my friends, it requires preparation. It requires what, everyone? Preparation. That's why we put out seminars like that. I told you in the very first meeting, for the sake of transparency, we do these kinds of meetings because we believe we are living in the last days and we are here to prepare people, to help people to be ready for the second coming of Jesus. Are we together? So that's why we're here tonight, friends. So these people are calling for death. They can't stand in the presence of God. And then notice the cry that comes out. For the great day of his wrath has come. That's verse 17. And who is able to what, everyone? To stand. Friends, we know who will be able to stand. Those that have given their lives fully to Jesus Christ. Those that have accepted Jesus and allow him to be the Lord of their lives. Two groups of people. Number one, the first group when Jesus comes are who, everyone? The saved, you know, those that were resurrected, that died in Christ, and those that were alive, that loved Jesus, they all go to meet the Lord in the air. The second group is the what, if you want? The lost. They cannot stand in the presence of God, and they are consumed and destroyed in the presence of God. Notice carefully what it says in your life. Jesus invites you to make him your what, if you want? Your Lord. He's inviting each one of us here to make him our Lord, our Savior, our king and that's what he desires friends he also says to us in john 14 it's just a review here let not your heart be what everyone troubled why not because we have a savior friends you believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are what everyone many mansions and if it were not so i would have told you i go to prepare a what everyone a place for you. That's the heart of God. He doesn't want you to be left out. He wants you to be with him when he comes. That's his desire. There is no reason for any of us to be left out of the group of the saved when, when, when Jesus comes. Notice verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will what, everyone? I will come again. That's a promise that cannot fail, friends. Just as this prophecy is sure, the fulfillment is precise, and it does not fail, the coming of Jesus is sure, the everlasting rock that will come in the last days. And I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be all so. So notice what it says, events at Christ's coming. Notice carefully here, very important, this slide. What are the events at Christ's coming when he comes at the second time? Number one, believers, what, everyone? Resurrected. Number two, believers receive what, everyone? 
immortality. Of course, conditional immortality because they have chosen to give their hearts to Jesus. Number three, wicked, living, what if you want? Consumed. That is just the truth. It's not what God wants, but that's what the Bible says. If we keep rejecting him and not giving our lives to him. So, and then what happens next? Wicked, dead, remains what if you want? In their grace, because it's very clear that the only group that will rise when Christ comes is those that died in Christ. So therefore, the wicked dead remains in the grave. And we're going to see when they're going to come up in a little bit. And then last, believers do what, everyone? Ascend to heaven with Christ to be with the Lord. Isn't that a blessing? If we are part of that group, if we are giving our hearts to Jesus in a daily basis. Now, what happens after Christ comes. Are we together? That's what we need to find out now. We know what happens when he comes. But what about after that? What is the condition of the earth after Christ comes and take those that accepted him with him to heaven? What happens to Satan and his angels during the time that Christ has already left this earth? When does God make the earth new? Because the Bible says that the meek shall inherit, who can finish? The earth. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says in Revelation 21 and 22 that God will make new heavens and new what, everyone? New earth. So when does that happen? We have these questions to answer tonight, and we're going to answer all of them in the book of Revelation. Notice. Is anyone alive on earth during the 1,000 years? And we are seeking for what kind of answers, everyone? Biblical answer. If it is in the Bible, I believe it's not in the Bible. It's not for me. Is that fair, everyone? That's our theme. And I want to invite you to go with me to Revelation chapter 20. What chapter are we going now? Revelation chapter 20. And as you are going there... Let me tell you what we find in Revelation chapter 19, just before chapter 20. What we find in Revelation chapter 19, uh, the last section there, you find the coming of Jesus. You find what, everyone? The coming of Jesus, described in a poetic way, like he's coming in 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 a white horse. Okay, and he's coming with a sword, and he will bring, again, accountability to those that have rejected his grace. So that's what we have in Revelation 19. Christ, what if you want? Christ coming. Now, Revelation 20 is what happens after the coming of Jesus. And let's see what we find there. And by the way, just giving you a heads up, we have there what is called the 1,000 years. The what if you want? The 1,000 years, also known as the millennium. Notice, Revelation 20, we are there now, and verse 1. The Bible says in verse 1, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the, what have you won? The bottomless pit. Remember that expression there, the bottomless pit. And the great, what? Chain. That's another word I want you to remember. I even put it there in the slide, the picture of a chain, okay? In his hand. And then verse 2, what does he do with that key and that chain? It says here, he laid hold of the dragon. Who is the dragon, everyone? That serpent of old who is the devil and Satan. And what did he do with Satan and with that chain? And he bound him for a what, everyone? A thousand years. The expression millennium does not exist in the Bible. It, you know, it comes from this notion of 1,000 years 
when Satan will be bound on this earth. Are we together? Notice what it says here. The word millennium is not used in the Bible. It comes from two Latin words. What is the first one? Mili and Anion, meaning 1,000 years. Okay, so that's the 1,000 years of Bible prophecy or millennium. But remember that the angel came with the key to the bottomless pit. Are we together? We need to understand what is this bottomless pit that uh, the angel had a key to lock the devil there with chains. Okay, so let's, let, me, let me just um, help you here at this moment with a little bit of... Um, information to understand this passage first of all the expression bottomless pit in revelation 20 verse 1 in greek the new testament was written in greek is the word abusos what was the word that i said abusos that's where we have the word in english what abyss okay so in greek now has anyone here heard about a translation of the bible called septuagint Anyone? Septuagint. Okay, I see a few hands. So what is the Septuagint? The Septuagint is a translation of the Old Testament into the Greek language. Into what language did I say? Greek. Greek because the Old Testament was written in what language? Hebrew, Aramaic as well, but primarily Hebrew. And then we have the first translation of the Old Testament into the Greek language. And then we have the Septuagint. Are we together so far? I want you to see the word that the Septuagint uses to describe the earth before creation. Before what, everyone? Creation. creation. And when, when, when is that in the Bible, before creation? Where do we find that? What chapter in the Bible describes before creation? Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. If you want to go there with me, you're welcome to go. I have the slide here. Notice what it says in verse 2. The earth was without what, everyone? Form and void. That's before the creation week. And darkness was on the face of the, whatever you want, deep. You see that word deep there? It's the word in the Septuagint, abusos. The same word used in Revelation 20 to describe the bottomless pit. Are we together so far? So I want you to see that in the Greek language, in the Septuagint, the word abusos describes the condition of the, the earth before creation. Before what, everyone? Creation. When the earth was void and without form. Are we together? Now, I want to show you a second time that the word abusos is used in the Bible, now in the New Testament. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. You're welcome to go there, to Romans chapter 10. And there is something here. The New Testament was written in what language, everyone, if you know? Greek, okay? So there is no translation here. The Septuagint, it was, you know, a translation from Hebrew to Greek, and they decided to use the word abusos to translate the word deep from the Hebrew, okay? So describing the condition of the earth before creation, desolated, without form and void. But here in Romans chapter 10, verse 7, there is no translation. It's right there in the Greek manuscript. And if we find the word abusos again, it says here, who will descend into the what, everyone? Abyss or abusos. And then it says, that is to bring Christ up from what, everyone? 
from the dead. So this notion of abusos in this verse is a place of the dead. Okay? So this word abusos is related with two things. How many things did I say? Two. Number one, the earth desolated without form and void. And number two, a place of the dead. Are we together so far? The grave, basically. A place where you find dead people. Why does the Bible use the word abusos in Revelation 20 to talk about the earth during the 1,000 years? That is simple, my friends. Is there anyone alive on earth during the millennium, during the 1,000 years? We are going to find out that actually there is nobody alive except Satan and his angels. During the 1,000 years, guess what? The earth goes back to the form void and without form before creation. Remember, when Christ comes from, uh, from heaven at his second coming, the wicked are destroyed at the coming of Christ. The whole earth enters in desolation. If you, find, if you read about the seven last plagues that happens just prior to the coming of Jesus, you will see that there will be a mighty earthquake. That's Revelation 16. You just read about the seven last plagues. This earth will be desolated, empty, and void without shape, just like it was before creation. And it will be a place where you find the dead. Notice carefully here, we're going to read a few verses. I, wanna, I want you to go with me, if you will, to the book of Jeremiah. What book are we going now? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. And it's interesting that the prophet Jeremiah also had a vision concerning the millennium, or the 1,000 years. That's amazing how the Bible complement each other, and the prophets, they don't contradict each other. And we're going to begin in Jeremiah 4, verse 23. Notice carefully what it says here. I beheld the earth, and indeed it was, what everyone? Without form and void. Where do you find that expression, without form and void, for the first time? In Genesis 1, when, when the earth was desolated before creation, it was just empty and nothing was there. But here he's saying, I'm looking to the future, and I see the earth again without form and void. And the heavens, they had no what everyone? No light. Notice what it says next. I beheld the mountains, and indeed they were trembled, and all the hills moved back and forth. That's a description that we find of the last plague at the second coming of Jesus. So you find here the earthquake still trembling here. And then notice the next verse. I beheld, and indeed there was how many men? No man. And all birds of heaven had fled. In other words, no birds. Notice next verse. I beheld, and indeed, the fruitful land was a what, everyone? A wilderness. And all its cities were what? Broken down. When? At the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. And then the Bible says, For thus says the Lord, the how much of the land? The whole land shall be desolated, yet will not make a full end. So the planet will be still there, okay? But the whole earth will be what, according to the passage? Will be desolated. No life. No life on planet earth during the 1,000 years. That's what the Bible says. I'm not here using, you know, like... Uh, 
um, movies to entertain about the millennium. You know that Hollywood and other industries, they are using biblical stories to entertain people. And when you watch, a lot of these movies has nothing to do with what the Bible says. I'm just relying on the Word of God here tonight. Now, go with me to Jeremiah chapter 25. What chapter are we going to the book of Jeremiah? 25, the same book of the Bible. We are going now to chapter 25. And we are going to read verse 33 because, again, he has a vision concerning the time that the earth will be desolated, okay, the 1,000 years. It will be like a wilderness, all broken down. Notice what it says here. And at that day, the slaying of the Lord shall be from one end to the earth, even to the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented or what, everyone? Gathered or what? Buried, they shall become refused on the ground. Why they will not be buried? There is no one to bury them. I know these are difficult passages, but they are biblical and we must deal with them. Do you want me to tell you things that will make you feel good or you want me to tell you the truth? So that's the truth, friends. The truth is that today is the time of salvation. The truth is if we keep postponing and hardening our hearts to the truth of God, we will not be ready for the second coming of Jesus. Notice, a desolate, destroyed planet Earth. And you see somebody there. Who is that person? That's Satan. And of course, his angels will be on this Earth. But it says that the angel came with the key to the bottomless pit, and that expression is a bosos, describing the earth desolated just as it was before creation, without form and void. And he, he comes with a chain, right? Remember? He comes with a chain. And we need to understand what, what is this chain. What are these chains that bind Satan? First of all, friends, I want to take you to the book of Mark. But as you're going there to Mark chapter 5, I have a question for you. Do you think that literal chains can actually bound Satan? What do you think? No. I don't think so, friends. If you go to the book of Mark, we find there two men that were possessed with devils. And they were oftentimes put in chain because they were so out of themselves. They were like acting like madmen and crazed men with supernatural power. And I want you to see what happened with them every time they, they put them in chains. It says in verse 3, Mark chapter 5, verse 3, who had his dwelling, talking about those men, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could, what, everyone? Bind him, not even with what? Chains, and then the next verse says, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And what happened? And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles, what everyone? Broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. So can literal chains actually hold Satan, yes or no? Not at all, friends. So what are these chains? I want to take you to look at Second Peter. What book are we going now? Second Peter chapter 2, we need to have what kind of answers tonight? Biblical answers. So the Bible must give us the answer of what would be these chains that will bind Satan and his angels during the millennium. The focus here in Revelation is Satan, but we know that his angels are with him. So notice carefully what it says here in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. The Bible says, For if God... 
<laughs> Notice carefully, it's another, another verse of accountability here. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, who are the angels that sinned? One third of the angels, right? Satan and one third of the angels, God says, you guys are out of here. After, you know, reasoning with them and appealing to them, trying to persuade them, don't go that way. But eventually, God did not spare the angels that sin. But cast them down to hell and deliver them into what kind of chains, everyone? Chains of darkness to be reserved for what purpose? for judgment so what kind of chains that will bind satan friends here says chains of darkness you know why it says chain of darkness because that is exactly how the earth will be during the millennium it will be a place of darkness desolated void without form with no one for him to tempt because all men will be either in heaven with jesus or dead on the earth are we, are we together so far Friends, this chain is a chain much more of a circumstances because he's there in this planet desolated without being able to do anything. Are you following so far? So here we have events during the millennium. That's true. There is nobody to tempt. Events during the millennium. What happens there? Number one, righteous where? In heaven, right? Because they were either resurrected at the coming of Christ or they were alive and were cut up together to meet the Lord in the air. And then what happens with the wicked? Remain dead during the 1,000 years. And uh, how about Satan and his angels? Bound on earth. Nothing to tempt there. Nothing to do. And then what happens with the planet earth? It remains tessellated. Is that clear so far? Okay, so here we, here we go to the next question. What will the righteous be doing in where? Heaven during the 1,000 years. Oh, friends, the Bible tells us about that in Revelation chapter 20. Let's go back to the chapter where we find the millennium, the 1,000 years. Revelation chapter 20, and we're going to read verse 6 first. And we are going to see what's going to happen with... Those that are in heaven with Jesus during the 1,000 years. The Bible says in verse 6, notice very carefully, Revelation 20 and verse 6, it says, What kind of people are they that partake of the first resurrection? Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. Amen for that. And then it says, but they shall be, what everyone? Priests of God. That's during the 1,000 years. We are going to be priests of God and of Christ and shall, what is the next word? Reign, meaning that we will have some form of, um, you know, royalty function there. And then it says, with him for how long? A thousand years. So that's what's going to happen during the millennium. We are going to be priests and we are going to reign with Christ for 1,000 years. And then notice in verse 4. What verse are we going now? Verse 4. Notice carefully. It says, I saw, that's during the 1,000 years in heaven. I saw what? Thrones. And they sat on them and judgment was committed to, to them. So what do people receive in heaven? Judgment. So priests and kings, they judge, friends. They intercede, yes, that's true, but they also judge, as we saw, 
Christ, when he goes into the most holy place, that's prior to his coming, of course, to decide who is going to go up with him and who is going to remain in the grave or be you know, consumed at his presence when he comes. So he judges as a priest as well. One of the roles of the priest is to judge. One of the roles of the king is to judge. So the saints, they receive judgment, right? Judgment was committed to them. And then what happens there? What else John saw there up in heaven? Then I saw, and this is the last generation here, friends. What kind of generation did I say? The last one. Notice, it's talking about me and you by God's grace. Amen? Notice, then I saw the souls of those who had been what, everyone? Yeah, there will be a lot of martyrs in the last days. They were beheaded. For what reason? Yes, for their witness to Jesus and for the Word of God. So it's not popular to preach the Word of God, friends. And it will become less, less popular. And you say, will that ever take place? It's taking place as we speak, friends. A lot of people who are preaching the gospel, they are losing their lives for preaching the gospel. Notice, verse 4, who are these people here that, uh, you know, they, they died here on earth? And it says a little bit more about them who had not worshipped the beast. And we already talked about the beast. Or his image. We're going to talk about his image tomorrow. And, uh, and then the following. And had not received his, what, everyone? Mark. We're going to talk about the mark of the beast tomorrow. On their foreheads or in their hands. And then it says about them. And they lived and reigned with Christ for how long? 1,000 years. Friends, is that clear that the saints, God's people, will be judging during the 1,000 years? Yes or no? Yes. I'm not saying that they're not going to do anything else other than judging, but that's their primary role during the 1,000 years, to judge. And the question naturally would be, judge what? The Bible tells us. We need what kind of answers tonight, friends? Bible answers. Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 because there we're going to find the answer for what or who will the saints or the righteous be judging during the 1,000 years. We're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and we're going to read verse 2 and 3. Notice what it says here. I will just read the a part of these verses says, Do you not know that the saints will judge who, everyone? World. The world. And just in case you are wondering, who is the saints? And now notice the language he used in the next verse. Do you not know that we shall... Notice he doesn't say the saints now. He says what? We, the church, God's people. We shall judge even who? The angels, so God's people that will be up in heaven for 1,000 years to judge the world, those that have rejected his grace, and judge also who? The angels that sinned. The angels that rebelled. They are there to judge. And friends, why would God place his people to be judging? We can be assured that the judgment is not for God. God knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't need to judge in order to know the end result of anything. So the judgment is for the sake of those that go to heaven and spend 1,000 years with him. Notice what it's written here. During the millennium, God will answer what, everyone? Every question. Can you imagine just for the sake of illustration here, and hope is just for the sake of illustration, you go to heaven... And let's just say you 
committed your life to Christ in this prophecy seminar, and you are really thankful for that preacher that preached with all his energy here, the Word of God, and then when you get there, you want to see me, but for your surprise, I'm not there. Wouldn't you want to know what happened? And how about, you know, Isaiah? Um, you know, the prophet Isaiah was cut in half by one of the kings of Israel. And that king repented. And he's going to be in, ha in heaven. But Isaiah didn't know. He died when he was still wicked. And when Isaiah is there thinking that he is free from all that persecution he went through on earth, you know, and then as he's walking in heaven, he finds who? Manasseh. Manasseh. What are you doing here? And that's the time for us to open the books. Are you following? That's the time for us to understand what actually happened. When God will be transparent and allow you and I to see why He makes the decisions that He makes. Why He allows some people to go to heaven and some people He say, no, you're not going to go to heaven. Is He arbitrary? Not at all. He wants us to see, and we are going to judge with Christ for a thousand years so we can actually come to the conclusion that God is righteous, God is just, and God is love. Notice what it says here. Every question about His justice and love will be fully, what everyone? Answered. Many surprises there. People that we think shouldn't be there will be there. People that we think that shouldn't be, uh, sh uh, actually should be there will not be there. And God will provide answers. Answers, friends. We will see that God is love, that God is worthy to be what, everyone? Trusted. It's about trust, friends. We cannot worship God if we do not trust Him. Are, are we together, friends? That was the very first thing that Satan did with Eve for her to rebel against God. The serpent said, you know, because Eve loved God and Eve trusted God, he needed to break that trust. It says, is that what God told you? That you're going to die? You will not die. What was, God, what, what was Satan putting in the mind of Eve? Doubt. Doubt about the character of God. He knows that in the day that you eat, you shall be like God. He doesn't want your eyes to be open. And then the trust was broken and she rebelled against God. Are you following? God will open the books so everyone will see that he is trustworthy. No questions about his character. Friends, everyone will see that no sin is so dark, God's love cannot what? Blot it out because we are going to see the worst sinners in heaven, but we will open the books and see that they gave their hearts to Jesus. You here? Yes. Love brings what, everyone? Life and selfishness brings what? Death, and that will be clear. Why are they on earth dead? Because of selfishness, because of their choice. And that will be clear. When heaven's books are open, we'll fully, what? Understand, understand God's love and God's care and everything that he has done to try to save every single person. 
What events happen now when? After the millennium. Okay, so let's go back to Revelation chapter 20. That's the chapter that we find uh, the millennium, the 1,000 years. We want to know what's going to happen there. We are going to Revelation chapter 20, and we are going to read verse 5, okay? So notice what the Bible says here. I have in the slide, but the rest of the dead... Who are the rest of the dead? The wicked, right? Because some of the dead were raised when Christ came, but the rest of the dead, meaning those that were not raised when Christ came, that's the wicked. What happened with them? The rest of the dead did not leave again until what, everyone? The thousand years were what? Were finished. Can you see what happens here? Notice the slide. We have what in between the two resurrections? We have 1,000 years between the resurrection of life at the second coming of Jesus and the resurrection of condemnation or damnation at the end of what event? The 1,000 years. Okay. In between, you have the earth desolated, only Satan and his angels bound on this earth without form and empty in darkness, chained with a chain of circumstances, without being able to do what he always does, which is lie, tempt, and destroy. He's bound. Friends, what caused you know, Satan to be bound really is the circumstances that he is at. There is nobody to tempt. Now, if these people will be resurrected after the 1,000 years, guess what? What happens with Satan? He is now released. Are you following? Oh, that's exactly what the Bible says. Come with me to verse 7. What verse are we now? Verse 7. The Bible says here, Revelation 20, verse 7. Now, when the thousand years were, have what? Expired, Satan will be what, everyone? Relieved from his prison. Why? Because now the wicked have been what? Raised or resurrected from the dead. Notice verse 8. What are they going to do? Amazing, friends. How Satan doesn't learn his lesson. And those that rebel against Christ, they, they raise again, but their hearts are not changed. Even though many of them saw Jesus coming, and a lot of them didn't see Jesus coming, they are in the grave, but now they are having a lot of opportunity to see a lot of things as we are going to see in a little bit, but their hearts are not changed. Notice. And will go... Out, that's Satan. To do what, everyone? To deceive the nation. Start right there. Start right there. He will do what, everyone? Deceive. deceive. Can you see that his prison is related to his ability or lack of ability to deceive? Now that everybody is raised again, he's able to, to deceive the nations. He goes on to try to battle. You know, he doesn't learn. He just wants to fight against God and overcome and he wants to bring as many as possible with him. Notice what it says. And it will go out and deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. And then he used an illustration from the Old Testament. Gog and Magog. Who are Gog and Magog? They were two nations that were enemy against God's people. So here is basically using this expression to say that these people that were raised from the dead, they are enemies of God's people. Are you following? And then what happens there? To gather them together to, what is the next word? Battle. Whose number of those that were raised is as the what, everyone? 
the sand of the sea. Notice this picture over here, friends. What we have in one side, Jesus will um, either be Lord of all or not Lord at all. Friends, this day after the 1,000 years, friends, this is a meeting that every single person that has ever lived on this earth will be there. No exception. Are you following? Everyone that have ever lived, we will either be outside of the holy city or we are going to be inside the city. Let me show you just quickly here before we read what happens. I want to show you chapter 21 quickly here. Notice what it says. Verse 2, Then I, John, saw the holy city. What is the holy city? The new Jerusalem coming from where? Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So the holy city will eventually come to this earth. And that will be where the saints, God's people, will be at that encounter. I don't have time to go through the Bible with you, but you can see that the walls of that city is transparent. Is what, everyone? Transparent. This means, friends, that when the wicked, with Satan and his angels, they siege the holy city, they surround the holy city, God's people and the enemies of God's people, they will be face to face. Some inside and some outside. That's an encounter that whether you're planning to be there or not, we are going to be there. The real question is, what side are we going to be? Notice verse 9. Verse 9 says what happened there. They went up. Who are they here? Yes, Satan and all the nations, right, that were raised after the 1,000 years, that are still trying to battle against God. They went up on the breath of the earth, and surrounded the camp of the saints and the what, everyone? The beloved city. That's the new Jerusalem that came down from heaven. And what happened after? The Bible says, And fire came down from heaven, out of, out of heaven, and did what, everyone? Devour them. Friends, this is the most fascinating event that the universe will ever witness other than the crucifixion of Christ. This is the day that Christ will put an end to every suffering and every trace of sin. But when he does that, when he does that, no one will question his wisdom, his mercy, and his love because everyone will have the opportunity to see everything he has done to save us. Even the wicked, friends, notice in chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. I'll just read a, a, a few portions here so you can read the whole thing. But basically, it goes back just to add more information before the wicked are destroyed with fire, consumed with fire. Notice, and they were, what, everyone? judged this is after the 1000 years god opened the book again for the sake of you know before fire come down from heaven and consume the wicked the books are open for their sake you need to understand why you're going to be destroyed are you grasping the kind of god that we serve 
it's a, you know, not only just, but also kind enough to allow the wicked to understand why they are lost. And they were judged, each one according to his works, and anyone not found written in the book of life was what, everyone? Cast onto the lake of fire. And friends, I have uh, here another important issue that I want to bring up before we close tonight. And I will try to fly over because of time here. Will the tormenting fire really last forever? Did you understand the question? Will that tormenting fire really last forever? Because in verse 10, if you read verse 10, it says apparently very clear. But the problem is we don't think like the Hebrews to understand, but we're going to break it down tonight really quick. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be, what everyone? Tormented day and night. For how long? Forever and ever. Friends, let me show you here just quickly. I don't have time now because time is, is running short. I want to show you, you know, the Hebrew perspective of the expression forever and ever or everlasting, or forever. Let me take you first to the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1. Let's go there really quick, friends. We need to fly here tonight. What we find in the book of 1 Samuel, we have a, a woman called Hannah. She wanted to have a baby, but she couldn't have a baby, and she prayed and prayed to God, and God blessed her with a baby, and she said, I'm going to dedicate my baby to serve the Lord in His temple. And then that's what we find in verse 22. I want you to see her words here. But Hannah did not go up, you know, to Jerusalem because she wasn't ready yet. For she said to her husband, not until the child is, what, everyone? Weaned. Then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there for how long? Forever. Now I ask you the question. If you go to the Middle East today, are you going to find the prophet Samuel there? You need to understand uh, the expressions that the Hebrew people use and how they understand the expressions. Notice verse 28, what she says for you to understand what forever means. Notice what it says here. Therefore, I also have lent him, that's when she brought him to the temple, I lent him to the Lord for how long? As long as he lives. That's what it means forever. It's not something instantaneously forever. It is a period of time, but it is for as long as he lives. That's what it means forever. When it says that the wicked will burn forever, any Bible verse concerned those things, friends, or the devil will burn forever, you need to understand the Hebrew mindset of forever. Let me give you another passage. If you will, you can go there with me, but I'll just put it here on the screen. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. You remember the story of Jonah, right? What happened with him? He, he you know, ran away from God, didn't want to preach the God, so he went to a boat, and there was a terrible storm. He said, it's because of me. Throw me out of the boat, and everything will be fine. They threw him out of the boat, and then a great fish came and ate him, swallowed him, right? And he was inside the fish's belly for how long? Three days. Notice what he says here in verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and what, everyone? Three nights, and I've been doing some study about that. We're going to talk about that another night. But notice here. Now he prays in chapter 2. He's going to do what, everyone? Pray. Notice verse 6. In verse 6, he, he prays, and he was there for how long in the fish? Three days, right? I went down to the 
moorings of the mountains. He's talking about when the fish took him down. He's talking about the mountains under the water, okay? Then the earth with its bars closed behind me for how long? Forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Friend, the expression forever here was because his three days, it was so terrible and he was going through so much anguish inside the belly of a fish, not knowing if he was going to survive and in that anguish that when he came out for him, it seemed to be how long? Forever. Notice what Malachi, I, I want you to go there. Go with me to Malachi chapter 4. That's important. Malachi chapter 4. This one I really want you to read. Friends, this whole idea of burning forever. Burning what, everyone? Forever. It's based on the wrong premise that we are created with an eternal soul. And we dealt yesterday with that. Now you understand why we talked about what happens after death. When you understand what is a soul, which is the body and the breath of life, the force given from God, and that a soul is a living person, a living being, that when the two come apart, its dead is gone until the resurrection day. And you understand that a soul is not forever. Now you understand that there is no need for a soul to be punished throughout eternity. This doctrine of you know, burning forever and punishing, like God punishing the wicked for trillions times trillions times trillions and trillions. And then when you get there, you just start at eternity. This whole idea is based on the pagan concept that the soul is immortal. If the soul is mortal, immortal, the punishment, the punishment must be what, everyone? Forever. But if you understand that the soul dies, guess what? The punishment does not, does not need to be what? Forever. Notice Malachi chapter 4. Are you there? Malachi chapter 4 verse 1. The Bible says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who, all who do wickedly will be what? Stubble. And then the Bible says, And the, and the day which is coming shall do what, everyone? Burn them up, burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither what, everyone? Root nor branch. Complete, complete destruction of sin and the wicked. Everyone that wants to hold down, hold down to sin will be destroyed along with sin. Notice verse 3. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be what, everyone? Ashes under the soles of your feet. Is that clear, everyone, tonight? Friends, this is not only what I believe. I think it's what the Bible teaches. We have several scholars today coming up with this conclusion. This scholar here, he is um, uh, the Church of England, Anglican Church. Okay, so he wrote the book, The Fire That Does What? That Consumes. The Fire That Consumes. And he just goes throughout the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, to show that there is no such a thing as eternal punishing. Now, how about... No, before I say that, notice this verse. He goes through verses such as this. Psalm 35, um, verse 20, 37, excuse. Uh, verse 20. But the wicked shall, what everyone? Perish. And the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the metals shall what vanish into smoke they shall what vanish away is that clear everyone 
Now, notice this passage here that seems to be a little confusing, but let's break that down quickly here. Jude chapter 1, verse 7, the book before Revelation. Jude 1, verse 7, we have Sodom and Gomorrah. It says, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner of these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of what kind of fire, if you want? Eternal fire. Now, if you go there to the Middle East, do you find Sodom and Gomorrah burning today? So what does that mean, eternal fire? It means that it is a fire that has eternal consequences. It is a fire that comes from God that will leave eternal consequences. Friends, an eternal fire is one whose effects or results are what, everyone? Eternal. And the wicked will be burned for eternity. Everlasting punishment is not everlasting what, everyone? Punishing. So there is a distinction there. Yes, there is everlasting punishment. It's the one that comes from God and has everlasting results. But it doesn't last forever. Jesus will not burn people forever and ever. Would you say amen for that? Yes, he will bring accountability. The Bible is clearly about that. But that will not last forever. Friends, the devil has destroyed the confidence of many people in God because a lot of people says, how can I worship a God that will burn people forever? Notice, events at the end of the millennium. Christ, saints, and city, what? Descent. Wicked, dead, what? Raised. Satan, loosed. Then you have last judgment. Okay. Satan and sinners, destroyed, earth, cleansed, and... Renew, and that's what we find throughout the scripture, the core. Just and righteous are thy ways, O God. And then we can expect in Second Peter 3.13, Nevertheless, we, according to his what, everyone? Promise. Look for new heavens and a new earth in which, what dwells there? Righteousness dwells. Friends, tonight God is inviting each one of us to be part of this kingdom. And really, friends, the choice is ours. We need to make a choice. Do I want Jesus to become the Lord and the King of my life? If yes, why not to pray and give your heart to Him tonight? Why not to recommit your life to Him? Because we must do that every day. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven... As we have sung tonight, we desire you to create in us a new heart, a clean heart. And we ask you, Lord, to restore a right spirit within us. We pray for the Holy Spirit to be poured upon us. And Lord, we pray that the things we are learning here every night will become part of our lives so that when you come in the clouds of heaven, we will be able to say, this is our Lord whom we were waiting. Father, maybe someone here tonight for the first time is accepting you as, as his or her Lord and Savior. And I pray, Lord, that you may give the assurance of your acceptance, that you forgive sins, that you cleanse and you restore lives. We pray all these in the precious name of Jesus. Let all God's people say, Amen.
This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.